Okay, uh, Jordan, thanks for jumping on a call with me. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, doing good, Todd. Thank you. How are you doing? I am I am okay. It's a good day. It's hot. I don't know if it's hot where you are, but it's very hot here. It's just starting to change for us. Um, so I'm down in Orange County, and uh, we have this thing called June Gloom. So uh, the ocean, as soon as it starts heating up, it starts like getting gloomy right around the, the water. Huh. And so it, like all of June and some of July, it gets a little gloomy, but it's pretty clear right now. It's, it's nice. It's beautiful. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Somebody ought to enjoy this, uh, this week. So uh, before we get too far into it, I should have you sort of introduce yourself for the listener. Uh, my name is Jordan Mariello. I'm uh, the managing director for More Yellow. Um, we're a, uh, creative and talent agency. Um, we primarily focus in, um, the video game space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, over the, the last few years, we've built a, a roster of creators and talent. We manage the talent, um, and work with the brands to create overall programs. We have over 250 talent on our roster that we manage now. Um, we have over 300 million monthly views, video views of inventory, um, across YouTube uh, and Twitch, which are, you know, the primary gaming platforms that are being used right now. So, um, or gaming content platforms, I should say, but yeah. And, uh, as managing director, I, I work with all the teams to, um, get projects in with biz dev, uh, I work with the teams to build the overall programs and then, um, and then we ship them. Cool. Uh, those are big numbers, obviously. I mean, how long have you guys been at it and how long did it sort of take to build up to that? Yeah. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you kind of a, a bigger background, uh, sure. for the, of the format. So we started in games probably uh, a little over 10 years ago. Um, and it was a pretty different landscape at the time. We, uh, we were doing trailers, we were doing key art, like box art, Um, we would do the, uh, the game websites, um, and we would do the campaigns at launch. And so we were primarily just like a creative shop and we'd build like these custom programs to launch the games. Um, so we've been in the space for, you know, 10 years. And then I would say maybe around six years ago, seven years ago, um, we started using, um, these people that were online that had large followings. We didn't even know what we called them at the time, you know, Oh, these people have like a large Twitter following. We'd use them in our programs, um, which turned out to be influencers. We'd use the influencers in our programs and we'd build them, um, build the materials. And then we'd work with them to like get all of the content out. And, uh, they would, um, they would be great. They would extend our campaign. They would make it like 10 times bigger because of the amount of eyeballs that they brought to it. Um, so we started doing it on a regular basis. And what ended up happening is we worked with all of the creators and influencers managers in order to use them in our programs. And that can be laborious. Some managers are great. Some managers like are, you know, great to work with. They streamline the process make negotiations easier. Um, they make getting feedback quicker, but you know, the majority make things can make things complex and difficult. And so after a few years of using influencers in our programs, what we decided to do, um, was why don't we build a roster ourselves 
where we don't have to have a manager that we always have to bypass to actually have access to the creators. And that would help us, you know, with, um, you know, concepting together, coming up with ideas together with the creators. Um, and so that would also help us on just streamlining things for our clients. And so, yeah, we, we, about three years ago, we made the decision and we started building, uh, a roster of, of gaming creators. And so it's been a, it's been a run that's yeah. for sure. But yeah, over, I, we're over 260 now. Um, and, uh, we have some amazing creators on our, on our roster. And so, um, but yeah, so probably 10 years in the space, uh, you know, probably five plus years in, in influencer marketing, um, over three years of having our own roster of talent. This this area changes so fast and has changed so much in a short time. We didn't really have names for a lot of this stuff just a few years ago. So my question to you is sort of what did you set out to do? I mean, uh, what were you doing before this? How did it kind of evolve? I mean, what's the background there? Well, my background, my, my background, I've always been in, uh, advertising. As long as I can remember, I started my career pretty much in, in advertising. You know, I was an art director, uh, at, uh, young and Rubicam. Um, even before that I was uh, art director at, at Footphone and Belding. So big agency world. Um, and then I very much like the art side of, of things. Um, so I was, my background has always been design. Um, and, and ideas for programs. And so, but I, I always loved the art of, of things. And I always thought like, uh, I always thought like creating trailers and like the actual art of motion graphics was like one of the highest, highest, um, types of creativity where you'd kind of marry like sound design and beautiful sound design with like beautiful visuals, stunning, impactful visuals, and like kind of create this overall piece that all tied together and told a story. I was just like, that's, that's a, that's an art form. And so that's how, so I was at an agency. So agency was that, you know, was my background. And then I decided when I wanted to start, I started freelancing by myself actually to start. Um, I really wanted to be in video games because of that. So I got into video games and would freelance a little bit and we'd build trailers, you know, we'd build trailers and build key art. And so it slowly evolved. And, you know, when we wanted to start turning, um, the art form into a business, um, I had to start working multiple aspects of things and, and sort of, you know, what I did actually progressed from just one element of the art to the full cycle of running the business. But, but truly it started all just from like the love and the passion of, of creating, um, really beautiful pieces. Something that caught my eye when, um, we set this up was you guys have some projects on your website that you've done with brands. And some of them are very eye catching, very cool things that uh, for games we've heard about battlefield trials, things like that. And that, that was something that really got me interested in hearing from you about, you know, where these ideas come from, the kind of stuff you end up doing with brands, uh, different companies. And like, what are some of those stories? Because it seems like really fun work to do. Yeah. It's fun work. Um, I could start in so many places, uh, you know, like what are some, what are some of the ways we've gotten the business or what are some of the programs we've gotten or, um, for people still trying to sort of visualize what this looks like for you, give us a story about any of the, the big collaborations you guys have done 
with, um, you know, hooking up streamers, content creators to do something fun with like, say, uh, a big studio or a big publisher to go out and just do something to get attention on, you know, uh, not, not only those, those talents, but also the, the game, the product, whatever it is, give us what one of those might look like. Yeah, you got it. I could, I could give you stories all day. I'll, I'll give you <laughs> this one to start. I, um, this one we did last year, um, for a game called riders relay, um, <laughs> which is a Ubisoft game. And, uh, there Ubisoft's an amazing game publisher. Um, one of the best publishers in gaming in in my opinion. And, um, so this, uh, action sports type game and they want to launch, um, you know, in the middle of COVID or just thereafter COVID. <laughs> so they come to us with kind of a brief on the game. Here's kind of how the game works. Um, you know, this is, you know, these are the new features. We've had similar games like this in the past. These are features that are new to this particular game. And we'd like to launch it. Um, but the, but the challenge on top of building like a typical concept, that's what they come to us for. What's, how do you want to launch this thing? What's the overall concept, you know? And that's when we come up with like this multi-tiered campaign. Oh, you want to do this here on social and you want to do this in your creative content. You want to roll out your calendar like this. This is where you want to allocate your funds and your budget. Um, the challenge on this one is, is I like, come back to this with the idea, but uh, tell us, um, how you want to build this during COVID because at the time, and uh, you know, I'm sure everybody remembers, like there was a time when like we weren't meeting anybody in public, you know, yeah. even with masks on, we weren't meeting people in public with masks on. So like, well, so this was like a, a challenging program for us. Um, and so what we decided to do, okay, we looked into the game. First thing we do always is like, all right, well, let's, let's check out the game and, and see like these new features and let's learn a little bit about like what the game offers and kind of the, one of the, the coolest selling points about writers Republic is that you have this big massive sandbox and you can go anywhere in the world of the sandbox. And when you get to that destination, there's other players in that destination that you can play with. Um, that live and online. And, and that's awesome. That's, that's the world that they present. So you can be skiing over one part. Uh, you can be mountain biking over in another part of the world um, and doing races there. You could go over and, and be snowboarding in another spot. And so we were like, all right, well, there's something there. So we pitched this idea about competition um, and people not, and people being able to go wherever we want. Uh, we said, Hey, why don't we have, a number of different influencers by themselves in different parts of the world perform legs of the race in an overall relay. And so when they finish their leg of the race, they can hand the baton off or essentially they can touch the camera. And then when they pull out, it'll be the next influencer ready to go through their leg of the race. And then what we'll do is we'll give the exact same legs to two teams of four. So you have one team of four, team A, and another team of four, team B, all in totally different remote parts of the world. <laughs> and, um, and they run their leg and then they hand off and they um, can then, uh, you know, get through the race and it'll be a race who wins team A or team B. So we picked eight influencers, four on four. Um, 
all of which are kind of massive um, action sports people. Uh, and then also they have some gaming gameplay on, on their channel. And so what we ended up doing is we set up this relay. And so you have like relay that took place like from uh, Hawaii uh, to all over the U S to uh, Bangkok and Switzerland. Um, and you had all these different locations and all these influencers running a very similar course that we set up across the board. And so what we did with that final asset, we edited it all together, make that like a main key asset. And that releases on Ubisoft's channel. But then also you take that key asset and each influencer, all eight of them with these huge followings, um, they talk up what they were doing, they play the game, and then they showcase the actual relay they did. And so uh, for the Riders Republic, we called it the Riders Relay. And it was a, a relay race for um, around the world um, that everybody did. And so we were able to film it, shoot it, Everybody sent in their footage and edit it and put it out. Um, it got millions of views. Uh, the game did really good. Um, but uh, we did it all in isolation. Everybody yeah. was able to do it themselves. So uh, that was an interesting one. That was an interesting one. And it turned out really nice. I'm really proud of that, that execution. It seems like this transition couldn't have been easy to start with sort of the the ideas for for brand projects and then to branch out to actually represent the content creators, the streamers, the influencers, stuff like that, because you guys list what you do for influencers on your website. There's, you know, help with uh, video game cre- or, uh, video creation, social optimization, uh, conversion tracking, things, uh, contract negotiation. It, that couldn't be an easy transition to make, right? You know, no, (laughs) not an easy transition, but I think we had the leg up in a lot of places um, to help us. It um, first thing in marketing is everything changes so fast, constantly changing. Like marketing tactics that worked 10 years ago are so out out of date. Five years ago are out of date, you know, and even in influencer marketing, everything's progressed so much. Tracking, analytics, um, being able to see like actually how things are performing with talent. Um, so, you know, if you are stagnant and if you don't continue to learn, um, you're going to be outdated in marketing so fast. So I think that, that that's kind of something we've adopted early on. Uh, we knew that a long time ago that if we wanted to stay relevant in, in the space and especially in video games, um, you had to really want to always be learning always be researching, always figuring out like kind of what's next and what's, what's a good thing to actually, um, be working on next. Uh, so learning has been part of our DNA, um, adopting, doing new things. Uh, and I would say like, that's been very great for us, but, but I think one of the things is, is, um, you know, we're creators by nature, our, our DNA, right? Like me I, as the founder, I, I was a creator when I started, right? Not on a channel per se, but I created all of the custom programs um, and worked with teammates to do so. And so we had a lot of similarities. We have a lot of similarities with, with creators, um, modern day creators, you know, um, essentially they're creating storylines and segments and video content and they're publishing it on, on their channels. Um, and so minus the channel, 
Um, you know, we did a lot of what, of what they're doing. So we really understand and know how to talk to them. That's kind of been like the key from the beginning, you know, when clients would want to do certain things, we'd be able to really kind of craft it into a story that would work for the talent. So we understood that the bridge in between us and the talent. Um, and then I would also say the other thing that would really helped us is we really understand like marketing initiatives, right? Before jumping into the space, we really understand how, how do you build an overall campaign? How do you come up with initial concepts for a campaign? How do you then take that with a client and build, build out a rollout schedule and all the assets that you want to create and roll out and launch? Knowing that, plus also knowing the creator's world and kind of marrying the two together, um, you know, the transition shore was challenging because you're doing something new and you have a lot to learn and you have a lot to like kind of figure out because it's a totally new space. Um, but I would say it probably was a lot easier for us because um, of our history, you know, just understanding everything uh, on the creator side as well as on the marketing side. Your, uh, your clients on the business side, is it primarily larger publishers like that? Or do you guys occasionally work with smaller studios? I mean, how, how small and how fine does it get? We worked at, at the beginning. We only really worked with, uh, we only really worked with like the, the game publishers mm-hmm. that were putting out large enough programs to warrant a marketing program. Um, so you get some pretty small publishers in there. Uh, it was really just like, can they afford a marketing budget? And they'd be like, yeah, they could afford a marketing budget. So we, um, we would, you know, work with anybody. And as the programs, um, got more robust and that's what we kind of got known for, uh, the publishers got bigger as well. And so, and, you know, big publishers, they, they like scrappy thinkers too, you know, like big publishers, they, they want somebody who can think of ideas and execute on them without tons of layers of, you know, management. And, and so they, they're interested in people that can think, you know, big ideas as well. So, but we were able to kind of grow into larger publishers that would allow us to do more kind of like robust or, you know, crazy type of programs. But what I've noticed, you know, from the beginning um, is that when you delve into video games and especially now with, you know, such an audience in video games uh, against our inventory, our roster, um, a lot of people want to be in games that aren't per se a game. So like, you know, we'd be building a program for a publisher or a hardware manufacturer, PC hardware manufacturer. Those two audiences are so similar in a lot of respects. And all of a sudden you have like, um, a men's grooming company that wants to actually, um, tap, uh, talk to that audience as well. And you're like, all right, well, that, that sounds great. You know? And so now, you know, gaming publishers and, um, tech and hardware companies are, are certainly at the core of the brands that we work with, but we very much work with non-endemic brands outside of games that want to talk to the gaming audience. So, you know, um, you're working with a, a lot of lifestyle companies um, that you know really need, have never put, have never put out a game ever, um, and and it opens up a ton of opportunities. You know, we just finished a program. We you know do a lot of programs with Chipotle, and and we have a lot of Roblox and Minecraft creators on our roster, and you know building you know having our our influencers interact with. Um, 
you know, Chipotle stores in game, you know, going in to redeem and get, you know, an opportunity to redeem and get free burritos in real life. Um, you know, Nike, uh, Adidas both just did, um, some, uh, Roblox activations with us, you know, not traditional game companies. Uh, these are, you know, shoe companies. And so like we're working with not a ton of non-endemic companies now too, that want to talk to the gaming audience. Cause it's, it's really is, it's a, it's a progressive audience. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of opportunities outside of games now at this point, but where we started, we started primarily just, you know, um, providing our services to the, the game publishers. Yeah. And as somebody in that space, I can't tell you how nice it's been because I've been doing this a while now also. And there was a time when it was like, okay, great. Sometimes we're going to hear from uh, potential sponsors who want to talk about hardware, like you said, uh, software that uh, game creators can use, things like that. And um, that can be difficult to drum up sometimes. So as things have opened up and I'm starting to hear from people like, yeah, let's, would you like to talk about, <laughs> like you said, uh, grooming products, uh, you know, health and, uh, lifestyle fitness stuff. Like, yes, please, please <laughs> come in and, and, uh, let's do it. Like, it's been really nice. And I think it seems to me that everybody is, is sort of walking away from that happy. Right. I mean, it's, it's gone pretty well. It seems. Yeah. It, you know, the gaming audience is, is, um, they're so vocal. Uh, and they're a community. This is like probably one of the strongest industries for community. Um, and definitely for online engagement. And I don't know a brand that's looking, that's not looking for that. You know, I don't know any brand that's not looking for that. Um, you know, you have to be authentic. You know, that is another thing. The gaming community is tough. It can be tough on you if, if you're not really, you know, being authentic to, you know, if you're saying you do all these things, well, I play this and we play that. And like, and you're trying to talk to the gamers that really, you really don't know anything about the, the market. Then, um, you get yourself into trouble because they are pretty vocal, but, but for the most part, as long as you're authentic and as long as you, you know, um, are real with the audiences and you have a good product, like it's a great market to be in very stable too. Very stable. I, you know, I've been around long enough now where I've seen the ebbs and flows of the economy. Right. And we hear a lot about that. And, you know, COVID was tough on a lot of industries. Um, you know, and I've been through, you know, recessions before, um, and it's a very stable, um, you know, very stable, stable industry. Um, and so it's, it's a good group, you know, I think the brands know that and they, they like to be there and they build business relationships and that's able to do, you know, activations pretty consistently. My experience was, you know, there was, there was a, everybody held their breath for a moment at the start of the pandemic, but I don't think the question was ever like, will we continue getting to do this? It was just, what does it look like? Uh, how are we going to adjust and for, for me, it seemed like it moved very quickly. Everybody was, okay, we're all doing remote now where only some of us were before. Now everybody is doing it wherever they are. And things started moving again pretty quickly. It was tough for uh, conventions, conferences, the things yeah. that we, we love to do in person when we see each other and have, have our big meetings and everything. It's just that part looked a little different. And uh, everybody, I agree, kept right on moving. So um, 
I'm curious, since you have gotten to sort of scale out what you do as you guys got started and moved into bigger uh, business and bigger projects, what, if anything jumps out at you, what are... What are your partners not often thinking about? I mean, I know you guys really lean hard into social and uh, projects that can potentially go viral. Are there things that your clients aren't thinking about that you have to kind of bring to their attention? Like, hey, we also need to think about the following. Is there anything like that? Well, we work with a lot of really smart people. Hmm. Uh, You know, I got to always say like the brands, they, um, you know, all of the marketers that we're working with, they are very keen uh, and they have, you know, a lot of great insight on their audiences and what they want for their audiences. So I would never really say like, they don't know their business and they don't, you know, they don't have, they're not quite sure what they're looking for because they know what works before they ever get to us, you know? But um, I think one of the key things that we can do um, objectively with a lot of our clients is, um, we help them understand there's things outside of just per se, the things that their needs are. Um, I think a lot of times, and, and, you know, this is a, you know, very common conversation with influencer marketing is, is about letting, how much do we dictate from a brand level, um, our messaging and our sponsorship guidelines and what we actually want to have said in all of the video content. Versus how much do we let the influencers um, really make the content that grew their channel, um, that gets their audience fired up and excited about? Because they know their channels better than anybody knows their channels. They know what works. They know it doesn't. Uh, down to the nuance, you know. And so I think, you know, what we what we strive to do is walk that line. Is make sure we understand, like, hey, we know what the brands need. Uh, said they've briefed us thoroughly and we definitely have briefed our talent thoroughly on what needs to be said. And then, you know, giving some feedback uh, to both ends in order to keep things authentic, um, but also get all the messaging out, I think is kind of really one of the key things that we do. So I think that in, in general is, is keeping that balance is super important. Um, but then also just a few things, you know, like there's new things that, uh, we are, you know, consistently trying to talk to people about, as you were mentioning, you know, now that things are kind of opening back up, um, using influencers, uh, IRL in real life, you know, at shows, um, or at launches or at parties, um, or events, um, or at tournaments, you know, uh, there's so many different ways to use influencers outside of just on you know, just them sitting in front of their camera at their desk and then putting it on YouTube. Uh, you know, there's a lot of events, there's, um, you know, award shows that the influencers can attend and then they can all cast it at the same time. And it just like, you know, can triple, you know, your, your viewership, your live viewership. Um, and then I would say also, you know, there's things that, that can be done in game experiences outside of just playing the game. You know, I think, uh, Minecraft and Roblox, it makes up over a third of our roster. So when you think of more yellow Minecraft, Roblox players and inventory is really, you know, core to, to our channels. We have over a hundred million views of inventory a month for those, but, you know, doing thing, things in game, 
um, you know, building, building a Nike store, you know, building like, um, a Spotify world, you know, we just finished a, a program with Spotify a overall world that you can build where then people can all come and play. And the influencers show those things off. You know, there's so many things in game that can be built now, you know, as we, you know, start walking towards the metaverse more and more, you know, all of these internal worlds inside the games that you can create and then people can come in, interact and mix with it's, it's um, there's so many different ways in game to kind of change uh, the, the promo, but then also, you know, in real life, getting people out, getting people, getting influencers there to help showcase what you're doing. I think that those would be a couple of them. If I, if I could name a few makes perfect sense and i guess that is sort of the next thing you're probably trying to be ready for is what what does the metaverse end up looking like what how do we be ready for it right i mean is that a big discussion right now i think it's a big discussion i think it's a big like i think a lot of people are, are figuring out you know what is this metaverse i think a lot of people are figuring out like you know how is it gonna work um you know and you know i've been following pretty closely the progression of it and you know, I, I think, um, you know, the metaverse isn't this whole brand new place that, you know, we've, we've never been, everybody thinks of it only like this place where you put on your Oculus and you like have to experience that way. You know, there's, there's all these little intri uh, intrinsic ways of interaction that are like web three that, you know, we're going to have available to us more readily everywhere we walk, we'll have better interaction tools so that we can, you know, augment our reality a little bit and enhance, you know, our in-person, um, experiences, um, you know, at simple places that we normally go to the movie theater or the grocery store. Um, but also, you know, the metaverse, the way I think a lot of people are thinking about it is like this digital world where we interact, uh, virtually where, you know, we're wearing our headsets and we kind of have our own avatars and our own skins. And, and I do think, we are gearing up for a major progression in that. I think, you know, um, you know, what, what Zuckerberg and, and meta are building, um, is, you know, a lot of that, but I think we see worlds like that. I think Roblox and Minecraft are very much like that. I think, um, Microsoft through the acquisition of, um, Activision, Blizzard Activision, I, I think there's going to be Obviously, I think a lot of that IP will be used on their platforms, but I think, you know, when you have access to those studios, you're able to then compete at that level where you can build these virtual worlds where people can interact. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, right now it's a lot of education as to what it is. I think it's just going to continue to progress. We have to build it. It's going to take years. Um, and we're going to have more and more of these locations you can go to virtually. Um, and inter interact with people that are there, um, very much like what games are doing now, but it'll just be, you know, a step progressed and then you'll be able to do more things in these virtual worlds. And I, I think that's kind of like remains to be seen. We'll have these great probably inventions or things that'll happen that everybody needs to go and see, you know, who's been one of the best at this for, for a while now, Fortnite, um, <laughs> Fortnite, Epic games, my goodness, you know, they, um, they were one of the first, uh, someone will correct me on this one, but they were one of the first to do an in-game concert. I don't know if you yeah. remember this five, six years ago, they had marshmallow. It was cool. A, yeah. Yeah. And that was an event. 
And I remember just tons of people. No one cared about playing Fortnite at the time. Everybody was there to see the show. And they've now put on probably, I think, five or six different in-game concerts. They've done releases, product releases in-game. They've done so many different things. But it's like five, six years ago when they did that. These types of events where you can show up and interact in a virtual world with your character, your avatar, the person that you're used to playing, um, I think that's what you're going to see just a lot more of. And that's kind of, I think, what this is, you know, the metaverse is, is, you know, about at the moment. What an interesting thought, by the way, about, you know, we all look at Microsoft acquisitions and we think about the present and the past we go okay well these games are these big libraries it makes sense they've got big strong teams and everything but uh i don't think we talk enough about what the future looks like beyond just more intellectual property and uh what an interesting thing uh to to think of it in terms of like what can they compete with if they decide they do need their own virtual you know ecosystem their own virtual universe people can visit if they want to compete at that level with facebook or uh you know whatever epic does next or or whatever it's like who's doing this well who could do that kind of world creation and you know let's have them on the team right like that's i'll admit i haven't thought about it in those terms very often so that's a cool idea you know yeah, I think so. I mean, they're very sharp guys and, and ladies over there. They're just a sharp team and they just, um, they're not going to make, uh, you know, they're going to make the most of everything that they can do with that IP. And I think, you know, first and foremost, I think, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to go, of course, you know, but right. you know, if I'm just, you know, take some guesses that, you know, their game pass, their Game Pass uh, subscription service and having access to those games, that, that's low-hanging fruit, in my opinion. I think that type of stuff happens. But I do really feel like, you know, you you really have all the, these worlds um, that is familiar IP, and, they, and you have the teams that know how to build those further. Um, and I think just playing the games is the very first part of it. You know, take Twitch, for instance, right? Twitch is a phenomenon because all of a sudden you have, um, you have the means to watch other people play video games live, right? When that comes out and you would think, well, why would I want to watch someone else play? And then you go, okay, well, it's awesome. You're experiencing the game at a level that you could never reach because maybe you're not as skilled. And then you realize, okay, we're just watching on a 2D screen them play the games. And then what are we doing while we're watching is is we're totally in the chat, interacting with the player that's playing, but also um, interacting with everybody else that's watching too. And then then you get a sense, oh, this is community. And this particular talent that's playing, I really like what she has to say. And I'm interested in listening to her play while, while she talks and I, I love the audience that comes and watches as well. Right. And like, what if you can just do that in the real world where it's like now you're in the video game worlds, but you're watching too. It's not, you don't have to be playing in all of these worlds. Right. And I think that's the metaverse. I think you can, you show up to these worlds and you're interacting, even if you're like a non-playing character, everybody can be there and interact. And, you know, you can go with the different influencers that, are playing in that world 
but you can interact with all the people on a much more virtual real life level um, in those worlds. And I, and I have to imagine, you know, they have some thoughts as to how to compete with, with meta as they progress. Um, and I, I would imagine, you know, playing the game or putting the games out in their subscription services, just the, just the beginning of what they'll do with some of that IP. And I'll have to admit, I mean, working in this field as I do still, the, I, the concept you just presented of, you know, creating that Twitch sort of synergy of like, hey, bring the whole experience in with you as a, you know, an environment like the metaverse is like, bring the whole experience with you in game, in experience, watch each other, be with each other while you're playing and while you're doing like that. That does honestly stretch my brain and grow my brain a little bit thinking of it that way, <laughs> which is which is why I brought you in. So that's good. That's the expertise we're looking for. Um, tell me when you're thinking about reaching out to a new content creator, new influencer. I mean, what beyond I know you look for audience and those metrics and stuff, but I mean, what else do you look for in a, a potential new influencer to represent or just to collaborate with? Yeah. Um, we have a number of different things that we look at outside of just viewership, of course. Um, viewership is, is key. Viewership and engagement, you know, are, are the first things you look at, right? Sure. But, but there's so many intangibles. Um, you know, our main job as an agency with the influencers, we have multiple things that we do um, for them. But our main job is to get them work, get them business, right? So like the things that we have to figure out is like, what, what's the brand going to be interested in, in this channel? You know, how can we be successful if we represent this talent to the brands? And so, you know, number one, brand safe is something we really look at. Um, and that's a real flexible um, kind of thought nowadays is what is brand safe? I think the brands understand, you know, personalities and, and, um, you know, they've gotten a lot less strict than say the guidelines of, you know, five to 10 years ago with exactly, you know, a certain type of character that they're having, um, you know, be part of their programs. But I, I think like a, a big one for the talent, um, that we like to see is, are they personable when they talk about, um, you know, something that they're sponsoring or they're, or that they're, um, doing a brand promotion for, uh, are they on camera? We, we really like it when they're on camera, the brands come to us a lot, uh, for people that are on camera that can pitch and talk and then can interact with the product and use it. Um, and they can talk, you know, um, about it in a personal way. Uh, and it doesn't feel, you know, cliche. It doesn't feel scripted. It doesn't feel like, um, like something that like was just given to them. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, just brand safe. Um, we, you don't have to be on camera with us for sure, but we do like it when you are on camera occasionally on some videos. Um, but then how do you talk about products? How do you talk about things? Are you descriptive in your format? Um, and then, you know, just engagement, high engagement, um, and good viewership, consistent viewership. Um, we also like to see consistency, you know, do they put out, um, a number of videos per month. Um, is there areas where they've fallen off, you know, where like, Hey, it's like, you see them, you know, they're good for like three weeks or, or four weeks putting out, you know, a couple videos a week. And then all of a sudden like a huge gap 
and then they come back on and then you have like a short spurt and then it's huge. Like we'd like to see consistency, even if it's once a week or once every two weeks, even it's like the consistency really means a lot to us. Cause we want to make sure that we're dealing with someone that we're going to be able to get a hold of consistently that once we actually introduce to a brand and they like, and want to do business with that, they're going to have the inventory to be able to place that content on a regular basis. Um, we like to make sure that, you know, we are in sync synergy off the camera. You know, we get our managers together and, and talk to them before we sign them on and make sure that there's, um, you know, a lot of nice back and forth and that they're interested in taking brand deals. Um, we like to figure out what types of brands that they actually want to work with. Are they the types of brands that, that we're selling to and that we're talking to on a regular basis? Um, where are they looking to go? You know, how are they going to progress? What, you know, are the things that we can offer going to help them on, on their trajectory? Um, so there's a lot, a lot outside of just the content for sure, the intangibles. Um, but we try and get as good of a fit as we can, um, because we're working with them, you know, it's mandatory for our influencers, uh, our managers to have phone calls, uh, or, you know, video conferences or discord chats, um, every other week, you know, we, we are looking to, we are looking to be your manager, you know, and, and, and weekly, if we can, um, we always like to touch base and, and kind of give, you know, what's going on, what we're doing. So with, for their channel, uh, there's a lot of different things that we do in the management aspect of things. And we want to make sure there's someone that we can collaborate with at that level, you know, um, there's a lot of people that put out videos, but maybe aren't, you know, wanting the consistency of running a business, you know, and yeah. we're looking for the people that want to move, that want to grow, that, you know, have that sort of accessibility and, and, you know, we, we can work well with. And, um, as, as we sort of wrap things up, I'm curious because a lot of the listenership for this show is obviously a uh, small team, uh, game developers, solo game developers, things like that. People who are looking to expand what they do. And, um, I hear from a lot of those people, like I, I'm either not doing anything to really promote myself. I'm trying to let my content speak for itself or, uh, or I'm doing it myself and I can't wait to hand it off to, uh, to someone else, either a publisher or, uh, people that they'll work with directly. So I'm wondering people who are maybe neglecting these responsibilities a little bit of promotion, uh, more engagement on social, things like that. What can they be thinking about as they do work toward uh, an ad budget or hopefully a partnership with a publisher is going to look for, look out for them? Like what should be on their mind? You know, uh, there's a, there's a few things, you know, I, 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 I'm a big believer in, you know, know your strengths. Um, if you really love creating content, it's a great idea to get someone that possibly wants to sell for you. Um, and I do think, you know, management or yellow is, is a great um, avenue to go, but let's say you're building towards that, you know, let's say you're building towards that and you're trying to figure out like, okay, I, I want to be someone that the brands would want to work with. And how do I promote myself? You know um, you know, one of, one of the things I think you need to do early on, is figure out, um, who you want to talk to. So brands in particular, brands are always interested in, um, targeting audiences. That's like one of the biggest things that brand figures out who are we going after to 
sell or promote our product to. And so, you know, what you want to do is you really want to figure out who do you want to talk to and which type of audience do you want to build? So you can, you know, build an audience that's like, you know, if you're gaming specific, you can be super targeted. I, I want to be a first person shooter type of, um, influencer. Um, or I want to be an MMO influencer. I want to be, um, a battle Royale influencer, right? Like I want to be, I want to be fully focused on mobile games. And so you can do that. Now there are variety gamers and they have, you know, they also get a nice repeat business across the board in, in games, um, especially from the non-endemics, but in gaming in particular, if you focus on an actual segment, um, or, you know, any influencer, um, audiences really, you know, if you focus on a segment and you're consistent there, I would say that's like a really great place to start is where do you want to build your audience? Most people, and you can see this with some of even the biggest influencers, they started with a segment. And then once you grow that segment, then you can start expanding. Hey, I was very much an RPG game player and I played all the RPG games. And then that there's gamers or game publishers that would love to work with you, even if you're smaller because you're so specific and you built that audience. But then all of a sudden it's like, once you get to a certain size, you add on, Hey, I'm RP, you know, I'm an FPS player now and I'm doing both of those back and forth. And all of a sudden you you're adding all of these. Now you became variety and you have your core and your base and you have a much bigger audience and then you can expand it from there. I, I think that's a great thought as far as building your audience so that, um, brands find you very interesting to want to work with. Um, and another thing I, I, I'm a big, you know, proponent of is like, you know, do some sponsorships for the, the brands that you want to work with, um, without getting paid, you know, just do it, show them, show them that you're good at, you know, promoting, you know, this hydro flask water bottle and tell show them how you do it. Oh, and just do it authentically and just be like, you know, oh, so stoked to have, you know, and do do your actual do promotions that are, that are non-sponsored. Um, so that when the brands are looking at you, they go, Oh, wow. This person does really well with, with products. Um, they do really well with products. They, they, you know, talk about them well, talk about the details and the specifics of what you like about them. Um, so I would say, you know, uh, first figuring out how you want to segment your focus, what type of audience you really want to, to build. Um, and also, you know, do, do mock, um, do mock, uh, sponsorships. I think those are, those are really good ways to, you know, when the brand starts noticing your channel, you'll be able to get sponsorships a lot quicker. Um, I would say. Very cool. Well, uh, as we wrap things up, let's make sure people know where to find you, where to find the work you do and, uh, go ahead and take the lead on that. Yeah, cool. Um, so moreyellow.com is our uh, website. So you can see, um, everything that we do on the brand side, um, or if you're a creator, you can, um, also apply for management there. You can see a bunch of the work that we've been doing and selling, uh, me personally, I'm Jordan Mariello, uh, at, uh, on Twitter, uh, just the L's are ones. Uh, so if we can, we can link that and then, um, on LinkedIn, Jordan Mariello. Um, and we, and we do a lot of, we, we put up a lot of content, um, for more yellow, which is our agency name, um, on LinkedIn as well. So, um, at more yellow on LinkedIn as well. 
Perfect. So, uh, Jordan, thanks. Thanks again. I think there's a lot of uh, great stuff to take away from this. And uh, so I hope we can maybe have you back sometime and check in, see how things are going, especially as we all head toward the uh, the metaverse, right? <laughs> totally. That'd be great. Thank you for having me, Todd. I appreciate it. All right. That's right, friends. Game Dev Breakdown is back. If you enjoy the show, please think about hitting follow or subscribe. Won't cost you a thing, and it's a big deal on this end. We have show notes at CodeWritePlay.com, along with articles, news, and other stuff. You can follow us on social. The show is at GameDevPod. The website is at CodeWritePlay. And me, Todd Mitchell, at MechaToddZilla with one D and two L's. Don't hesitate to reach out to help us make this the show you want to hear, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>